The man asked for ACDC, we give him ACDC. What's going on, everybody? Patrick Ali over here at Hall Financial, bringing you uh, live on real estate, or not so live in real estate. Uh, joined here today uh, by one of our senior leaders in our company, Chris Bazzoli. How's it going? Morning, Patrick. How's everybody? I'm doing phenomenal. I'm pretty excited today. We're actually joined by uh, Rob Scalisi, Scalisi of Remax Metropolitan. How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing phenomenal. Thanks for joining us. And then we're also joined here, which he may talk, he may not talk, I don't know yet, Henry Doe. Our business developer here at uh, at Hall Financial, Henry. What's happening, Pat? What's going on? I heard you loud and clear, actually. On Thank that, you. So we might we might get lucky here. So, okay. uh, we're here, obviously, do this podcast, bring you uh, what we consider the best darn twelve minutes in podcast history in the universe, possibly the galaxy. I don't know which one's bigger, but whatever's bigger, that's what we are. So tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, Rob. How'd you get started in real estate? How long uh, have you been in? Great. Thanks. Thanks for having yeah. me. First and foremost. Uh, uh, without making this an endless story, I, I was actually a full-time musician uh, prior to real estate. Okay. And uh, one of the guys that I used to play with uh, started out in real estate very early on because his uncle was a real estate broker. Oh. And we went on to be, and I hate using the cliche, rock stars, but uh, that was the goal in our original life there. And, uh, you know, took it to a certain level. And uh, I actually went to school for music in California, et cetera, and I was actually called to come audition for the Bob Seger Band. Oh, wow. And this was probably somewhere in 88 or 89 when Bob Seger got served with some divorce papers. Uh, my audition got canceled. So at a young age, of course, I was ready to find a tall building like this to jump off of. <laughs> And uh, consulted my good uh, musician friend, Larry, who was a real estate broker at the time. And, and he said, hey, why don't you check out real estate and get into it? And it kind of went from there. Okay. Gotcha. So. And, and so it just, just the bu it bug bit and that's what it was, huh? And that's exactly. Uh, I was awesome. telling uh, Chris earlier, I started off in the property management industry. Yeah. And uh, it just didn't, it wasn't for me and no. switched over to res residential and uh, I just found my niche. Gotcha. What, what's the biggest difference between, uh, you know, going from property management to residential? What did you find out there that, that you use or maybe tie into? Well, you know, later in my career, the property management served me well, but, you know, property management, I worked for a big firm and, you know, it was a salaried position mm -hmm. and, you know, pay raises were infrequent. Yeah. Um, you know, and we, we managed apartment buildings and co-ops and condos and that kind of a thing versus the residential thing. I mean, you're on your own out there. You know, yeah. you, you don't work, you don't get paid. And um, I just found that was more suiting for my personality. The yeah. harder I worked, the more money I made. That's good. That's good. And, and mixed with, so you said before the podcast, talked a little bit, 30 years, right? Yeah, just going to be about 30 years probably this February. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Somewhere in there, 28, 29, 30. Yeah. I mean, do you ever look back on, obviously what real estate was versus what real estate is now, the different tools and things that people use. I mean, what are some things that you're doing that, that help you kind of stay on top of your business? Well, first and foremost, the, uh, you know, the whole MLS systems and yeah. just computers. When I got into it, there wasn't even an MLS computer. I mean, really? I was still working out of the old books. You yeah. know, they were the size of a phone book for people who might not even know how those are, you know, <laughs> um, but just a big book and you used to peruse the listings and try to look at paper to find listings for people. Yeah. Uh, and when the computer system came out, it was the, you know, the dot matrix printers and the DOS system. Mm -hmm. And it, so it's really just changed a lot, which is made obviously serving the consumer a lot easier right. for us. And, and I don't, I don't have as, as much time, I would say, as Bazzoli does in, uh, in, in mortgages, but I mean, yellow pages or white pages, that was a thing too. 
right? Oh, absolutely. For sure. Uh, One day. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the same way that, that Rob's talking, you know, the changes that he's seen, we've seen it as well. I mean, yeah. we, used to, we used to grab triplicate form copies of mortgage applications and loan estimates or good faith estimates, as they were called. And, you know, you'd grab a whole pack of them from the bin you know, and literally it was, press hard, the third copy is yours. I mean, and you ripped off triplicate <laughs> copies, and you gave people their copies, and they walked away, and that's that's how we did business. So, yeah. For, for anybody out there that's too young to know what a triplicate copy yeah. or a carbon copy, you write on the top page, and it copies the information to the next couple that's of pages. Correct. So that's, that's good. correct. That's good. And we have a huge advantage, I think, now, um, you know, especially organizing your business, uh, whatever, you, if you're coming from a lead gener- you know, generator or whatever you're using to help you, I think CRMs are like the, the greatest thing because they literally will organize your business for you uh, with a couple clicks of a button. So, I mean, is that something that you obviously use regularly? I absolutely do. Yeah. And, and when computers became prominent in my industry, I, I jumped right on that bandwagon and I, you know, first started using a, a, a software, which of mm-hmm. course that doesn't really exist anymore either, called Agent 2000. And it was just a way to put clients into a database, yeah. and then the tools within that um, system allowed me to continue to, you know, stay in contact with them uh, before, during, after the transaction. Right. Um, and my whole business, fortunately for me, I think that I've treated clients well throughout my career. Yeah. And um, most of my business now is just repeat and referral business, which yeah. is nice. And so when I think of things to do as far as marketing, I don't do a lot of promotion for new business as much as I do um, staying in touch with my past clients and treating them well and getting that repeat referral business from them. Right. Yeah, that was one thing I wanted to touch on. So, you know, even though the technology and the vehicles change for how to reach people, the messaging hasn't. Correct. You know, I mean, they, they, they're taking good care of someone. So what are the, the kinds of things that you like to, to do in terms of staying in contact? What kind of, you know material are you are you putting out there or messaging or or things you know what specifically are you doing and what do you think works best um one of the things that i really try to do is a quarterly um customer appreciation event um you know and inviting them and you don't get a hundred percent turnout i you know you probably only get a you know three to five percent turnout but you invite the clients and i think that's where the real value is you know because you're just inviting them we try to do, and I'll give you an example, like in spring, we would do an Easter egg hunt. Uh, in the summer, we would do whatever the coolest, latest summer movie for kids is. Yeah. Um, you know, during the fall, we've done a pumpkin giveaway kind of thing. And then we do, we've done like a breakfast with Santa during, you know, mm-hmm. the holidays. And those kinds of four events that we would do just really, really went far on yeah. saying thank you to your clients. That, that was one thing. The other thing, when I'm on the buy side of a transaction representing a buyer, I literally will not allow a buyer to buy anything that I wouldn't buy myself. Right. And I think that's really served me well because people have said to me over the years showing them houses, boy, are you trying to sell me a house or are you trying to talk me out of it? And it really, (laughs) really is I am trying to talk them out of most properties, trying to find the right property for that person. And so, especially with first-time or younger buyers, you know, when mom and dad tag along and they see that kind of effort being put in, then they feel that their kids are in good hands. Yeah. Well, there's three big things. There's, you know, the personal attention that you're giving to that specific person, um, the knowledge or the education that you're delivering, especially for first-time home buyers, because a lot of times you get a first-time home buyer, they don't know anything about 
the mortgage transaction. They know a little bit about the real estate because mom and dad might have told them, you know, a little bit about what they've done in the mortgage, but it really takes a professional um, to go through and, and just being involved. So I think it's awesome. I mean, doing things like client appreciation days and stuff, anybody can do them, but being involved with them and making sure that you're still um, relevant to those people's lives in whatever way that is, I think it's awesome. And, and going back to just a CRM, it's kind of cool to have that because there's little things you can put in there, whether you're saying, you know, hey, you know, uh, Tim's birthday, you know, I did a loan for X client and their kid's birthday is coming up. Maybe I should get send them a card. Uh, but there's so many tools out there that allow you to help with your marketing of just staying in front of people. So it's great. Yeah, absolutely, too. And, you know, most CRMs today will have some sort of uh, follow-up email with a yeah. message, you know, happy Thanksgiving, happy Memorial Day, whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, putting their birthdays or the anniversary date of their purchase or yeah. closing. Um, another great thing to do, just, you know, uh, tagging those clients for the anniversary of their closing yeah. and giving them maybe a value update. Yeah. on their property hey in the past 12 months your house has appreciated x um you know which if tying into the mortgage business maybe you have pmi so maybe mm -hmm. it's time to talk to your lender again and maybe refinance remove that again. pmi those kinds of things yep. and when you can really offer up something of value to these people i think that separates you from the average realtor out there yeah yeah i would i would absolutely agree and i think because more and more you know, the, the, the messaging of the world tells us that we don't need, you know, a realtor anymore. We don't need a experienced mortgage banker anymore. We can do all this stuff ourselves, right? Everything's right at our fingertips. I can look for houses. I've got Zillow. I've got this. I've got, you know, an app on my phone that I can apply for a mortgage. And, you know, I think what, what gets so lost is the true professionalism and expertise that someone who has been in the business, who does know what to look for, like you were saying with your first-time homebuyers, there's such a huge difference between someone, you know, flipping through an app and saying, I like this house, I'm going to go see it and I want to go buy it versus someone who actually knows what they're talking about and looking for and knows how to steer someone away from a potential problem. I mean, it's invaluable. Yeah, yeah so. absolutely. I always say you have to go see it, touch it and smell it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that brings me to a good point. So we have a team member of ours who we love dearly and she does great work for us that she's renting a house right now or a condo um, nearby. And one of the thought processes that she has is um, she's currently paying, you know, around 1300 bucks, whatever it is. Uh, but she's utilizing some of these apps and stuff like that. But she's also coming to us as the professionals of, you know, what really is possible for me out there um, you know, to buy. And, and, you know, so when you're talking to a client and you're, you're having that conversation of, and you're going up against, you know, realtor.com, Zillow, whatever's on Google or whatever the media tells you, you know, what are some things that you're talking about with your client that help them really understand that, that buying process? Well, I, I think that, you know, obviously people go to that Zillow first or even realtor.com. And I try to uh, explain to them, that they get their information from me. Yeah. And I don't mean me literally, I mean the MLSs. You know, everything goes into the MLS as far as inventory, and then they've given feeds out to the Zillows and, yeah. and Yahoo Real Estate and Google Real Estate and Realtor.com. So that information that we get ends up there secondary. So I explained to them the value of me setting them up a prospect file. Mm -hmm. Meaning you can say, I want this kind of a house with this school district and this price range with these features and amenities in as many or few areas as you're interested in. And we can customize that. And it's going to give you an instant result of how many properties meet this criteria yeah. that you're looking for. 
But more importantly, the second you save that and name it, as new inventory comes onto the market, it goes into that system automatically and back out to the consumer in the way of an email, and it's duplicated to me. So it's going to hit them in that fashion way sooner than it would ever end up on Zillow or Realtor.com. So I really try to discourage them yeah. from even looking at it once they've seen the system that I would set right. them up on. Um, and again, there's always a reason, and, and it always happens where the client will go, oh, what about this one we saw on Zillow? And then I'll go through the paces, pull it up. You know, it was closed three years ago, or it doesn't have a basement, or it's 30 grand out of your price range. That's why you didn't get it from me. Right. And after a while, if you continue to educate them and bring up these points, you know, they finally give in and say, okay, I get it. I trust you. Right. And, and to bring it full circle to our conversation of, of having somebody knowledgeable, if the information that you're getting from any website, because there's even apps, which David would kill me if I name it, but there's an app that does appraisals for you now. Right. And so any of these things, what they're getting their information is from people in the industry who are knowledgeable, who have been doing this a long time and setting up these these types of things. And I think that's something that we deal with a lot too, especially on the mortgage side, because you know just the assumption is there that everybody knows or everybody's what I call a, a Google or a Facebook realtor in, in LO now. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. Uh, the information is 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 wonderful. It's right at our fingertips, mm -hmm. and it's also very you know dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna chime in here for just a second. Uh -oh. So, you know, education is so important. Yeah. You know, when it comes to you know big loan amounts or just money in right. general, um, I view real estate like you know financial advising. You know, you can get all this information online, um, but at the end of the day, do you know what you're investing in? You know, when it comes to retirement, it's just you need someone on hand, face to face to tell you, you know, this is what you can afford. This is what you're looking for and sit down with you and, and really go through that. Right. Um, and no Internet or no website can ever do that for you. No. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And, and you know, people, um, when we talk about value, how do you know the house is worth it? You know what they're asking. And Zillow is a very broad brush stroke to value. And, you know, I. I I don't want to continue to knock it, but it's no. just one of those things where, you know, if the value really is on mark with what the property's worth, it's just a coincidence. Mm -hmm. And when it's not, that's a coincidence too, just because it's just such a broad brush stroke. And so when I'm trying to work with, and you used a key word, educate buyers out there, when we're looking at properties, the asking price is just that. It's the asking price. It right. doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's wrong. Right. It's just that's what they're asking. We, as the realtor and the consumer out looking, are going to determine, is it right or wrong? How do you do that? Right. Just like buying anything, right? You're going to go out and comparison shop. Right. So you're going to go out. If you're going to go buy a car, you don't just show up at the dealership. I'll take that one. You've looked at two or three dealerships, visited uh, the salesperson, you know, different amenities you're getting on the car and trying to find the best deal for yourself. Yeah. Well, same thing with real estate. You're going to go out, look at different homes. And once you finally find that property that stands out to you, then we're going to do another evaluation where we're finding sold comparable properties yeah. and seeing what the market really is bearing for something similar. Right. Making adjustments for what the one you're considering has or doesn't have versus what we find the most comparable homes, what they had or didn't have. And it's a it's an education, right? So flipping it to the listing side, I mean, is that something you're coaching uh, coaching your clients up on when when having those conversations of like, listen, I know 
that the you know the market might tell you that you're at X because I obviously the the idea is to get as much profit from the home that you've spent a long time in absolutely so you know the market says X but let's evaluate it at a more realistic level and you know kind of compare the homes in the area or whatever it is so what are, what are conversations that you have with the listing side and the listing side it's kind of the same thing yeah. um, where I'm pulling sold comparable properties and comparing to um, what is active out there in other words what's your competition where are you going to stack up and making adjustments for what that seller has or doesn't have versus these sold comparable properties and you guys know better than anybody at the end of the day assuming the buyer of that property is getting a mortgage yeah. what do we have to be concerned with right the appraisal yeah. right and I, I've said this line or, or whatever, if it's a line or not, to sellers forever. Let's just pretend that I'm the smartest realtor out there on the planet and I can, can, can fool, um, fool every other realtor, every other buyer as far as the value of the property. When the bank comes in and wants to lend the money for that buyer, am I going to fool the appraiser? And the answer is no. I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> no, that, that, that makes a ton of sense. And then that's one thing that we, we look at a lot of times is we have people that come back and say, hey, I'm listing my home currently. Um, we expect to get, you know, 50, 60, 70 grand. And then I ask them, you know, are you working with a realtor right now? Have you listed your house and they tell you no. I'm like, okay, well, where are you getting that evaluation from? You know, are you, unless they're a realtor themselves, but where are you getting that evaluation from? And, and where, how do you understand that that's where your market is, you know, today? So I think it's a, a great point. Well, I think that's, uh, that's about it. We're, we're a little over time, just a little bit. That's good. About, you know, five, six minutes. So David, don't <laughs> yell at me, I promise. <laughs> uh, but honestly, we really appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us. Um, if anybody's looking to buy, sell, um, you know, just looking for a friend. How do we get a hold of you? Yeah, shameless plug, Rob Scalisi <laughs> at Remax Metropolitan, uh, phone number at the office, 586-997-9900. Email address rscalisi at remax.net, and Scalisi is spelled S-C-A-L-I-C-I. Rob, we really appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us. I appreciate you having me. I'd love to come back. CP? Absolutely. Thanks Thank you so out. much, Rob. Thanks, Henry. Patrick. Henry. It's the one time only show that I'll be able to be on. <laughs> the no, one time. No, I think you found a new calling. I think we're going to sell this episode out there. And uh, obviously, Jess is sitting in the background, but she's uh, she's making all of this she's happen. She's the brains behind the operation. Yep. <laughs> so, everybody out there, uh, give Rob a call, get his information, uh, make sure that you're uh, you know knowledgeable on what you're looking to do, whether buy or sell. I'm Patrick Ali, and this is uh, Live on Real Estate, Best Darn 12 Minutes in Podcast History.